Join me in reading today's scripture. It can be found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. This is God's word. We, um, we joined up in the Philadelphia area for meeting, and so Nancy and I decided to go up. She went with me this time, and we decided to go up a day early because uh, the church is right next to Valley Forge, and we thought haven't been to Valley Forge in a long, long time. thought, well, that'd be nice, have a field trip on Friday morning before our uh, meeting started around noon on Friday. So we left middle, a- middle of the afternoon on Thursday to be able to get up there. It's about a three-hour drive. We thought we'd take the scenic route up through Gettysburg, and so... Uh, we're there on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, cutting across from the Harrisburg area over to Gettysburg and to Philadelphia. And Nancy's like, whoa, 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 the red lights. So we dead stop, right? We're on the phone with my daughter talking and like, oh, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're stopped for a minute or two, one hour, two hours, three hours. We got to know the other people in the parking area around us. So after a couple of hours, I'm like, I, I mean, I wasn't counting on this. I've got sermon prep to do. <sighs> Opening up. All right, I'm going to just I'm gonna pull the computer out. I'm going to start working. Sorry. She's knitting. We're just having a good time. And <laughs> on I, you know, Pennsylvania Turnpike, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was so hard to do because wasting time is in my grumble spot. That is like totally just in my, like, everybody has grumble spots, right? Things that bother you or don't bother you. That night, we get up to the hotel about 3 a.m. in the morning. All of a sudden, I realize I'm wrapped up in the sheets and... uh and, and the mattress pad is trying to smother me. And we realize that they've put like wrong fitting sheets on these deep mattresses. And they were only about that much on. And they just came over us in the middle of the night. Man, my grumble. So I'm like, next time, next time I travel, I'm not preaching on Philippians. There's just, this is God just, oh, you're so sweet. God, Nancy, of course, is just sunshine. You know, she's like, Just think of how bad it was for the people up there in the accident, which is so true, but just makes me feel guilty for grumbling about it. So I'm like, I I love you and don't. And it's just so anyway, we get down to breakfast at the hotel, you know, full breakfast or whatever. And it's not it's it's just 
God bless them. They tried, but it just isn't. And you see, my wife's grumble spot is food. I couldn't care less. It was not great, but you know what? It's fine, whatever. But we're just like, can we bite on something? Because ah, because I told her, you know, I was talking about this and just, I was saying, aren't I being good, not grumbling about this, you know, all this stuff because it's in my face. And I'm just like, okay, this passage is not, it's, it's about grumbling for them, but it's about your sin spots. And we're going to talk about grumbling because it talks about it here. Grumbling may or may not and complaining may or not be. God does not love it and we'll talk about why. But let's, let's look together. Open to the passage Tiffany read because we have to, we have to look at the context of this. Philippians 2, uh, 12. Paul, who's writing this thank you letter for the support the Philippian church has given him having filled them in on his circumstances in jail. He's in prison now, so get that. Non-grumbler in prison, awaiting possible execution, not grumbling about it, saying, I'm your example. Saying, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul has shifted from filling them in on what he's doing to exhorting that church to how they can better reflect Christ. And this passage, if taken in isolation, gives people some trouble. Work out your own salvation. It sounds like we participate somehow in our salvation. Can't be. Paul's clear in Romans 4 and 5, as well as Philippians 1, other places, that we don't participate in what's called justification. That is the change in status that God gives us. It is a gift of grace by faith. If you want to become a Christian, you simply confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ told the truth. He is Lord, and that changes your status. So you don't participate in that. However, Sometimes we just think salvation is somehow that one prayer. Salvation is the change in our lives that happens as a result of making Jesus Christ Lord. And that we absolutely do work in. We absolutely participate in the sense that we give effort and diligence to obey God. He doesn't force you to make choices of obedience. You choose to obey Him, and that's working through your life, salvation. And in the case of the Philippians, it was clear that they had an issue in the church. The church was being divided by people who were grumbling, complaining, Bickering one another. We'll get he went. We'll get to where he calls specific uh, two two women out for this. But he's already talked about it. How I, he this church needs to be unified, and we'll talk more about it. But he says it is God. Just to clarify, I think Paul might have even thought maybe this could be misunderstood because he goes back. It's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So you're working out your salvation, but it's God who's at work in you. So the two sides of that coin. And then he gets to the specifics of how they are going to work out their salvation. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things without grumbling or complaining. 
This echoes back to the sort of two sins in the Old Testament that if you had to sort of rank them, not that all sin offends God, but the two that are mentioned more than anything else in the Old Testament was idolatry and in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining. It's mentioned over and over and over again. The the phrases that he uses in here totally are a connection to that wilderness wandering. In uh, Deuteronomy 32.5, he uses the same phrase, Moses uses the same phrase that Paul alludes to in verse 15. He talks about uh, being uh, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That's wording right from Deuteronomy 32. Moses is talking about the wilderness wanderings. In Exodus 16.2, he's recounting how the people in the wilderness were eating manna that was provided by God, and they were just tired of it. And he provides quail, and they're just tired of it. And they go to Moses and start grumbling. We'll talk about what grumbling and complaining really is. But in Exodus 16, he says, you know you're not grumbling. Tell them they're not grumbling against you, Moses. They're grumbling against me. So ultimately, grumbling and complaining for the Christian becomes, is this about God or about circumstance? No outward circumstance ever causes you to grumble. Back in the 70s, there was a a comedian named Flip Wilson who used to say, the devil made me do it. If you're of a certain age, you'll remember that phrase. The devil can't make you do anything in Jesus Christ. You choose to grumble or complain or not. Remember, Paul was wearing chains, metaphorically at least. He was in prison, not not sure what his sentence would be, whether he would be killed. And he says, look, I, I don't think your circumstance is any worse than mine. But we want what we want. And I wanted to be in Philadelphia in three hours, not seven and a half hours that it took us to drive up there. It's not what I wanted. But you see, my desire for that becomes an expectation that I deserve it. And my expectation becomes my right. So you see, when we don't hide ourselves in that God... Now, I have no idea what God's purpose or plan was in a seven and a three-hour trip becoming a seven-hour trip. No clue. You know why? Because I'm not God. I don't see it that way. I don't know why sheets attacked me in the middle of the night. I don't know. But I know I had a choice to be pleasant or to not. You see, our grumbling creates an atmosphere. Our grumbling creates an environment, whether it's in a hotel room, in your own heart, in your house, in your place of business, or Paul says, in your church. I guarantee you there will be things you don't like in each one of those. Guarantee. And you have a choice as a believer to look to God or to look to your rights. Your desires, which have become your expectations, which have become your rights. So, grumbling, the word there, pretty much means grumbling, but I'll just tell you that the, the, the sort of 
literal is expressing secret displeasure. It has the thing of just loud enough to be heard, but they can't really make out what you're saying. We all know what grumbling is, right? When you say it just under your breath enough, but everybody knows you're unhappy, right? Every parent, you're aware when your child is unhappy, your spouse or good friend, you're, you're aware that they're unhappy about something. And you say, what was that? Nothing. I know it was something. Grumbling creates an environment. Okay, Christians, your words and your attitude create an environment everywhere you go. As people create in the image of God, the God who creates with his word, our words don't create in the same way God created, but they do create as his image. And you have the ability through praise, encouragement, to create an environment where the kingdom of God has fertile soil in which to grow. Or you can create such fallow land, such horrible growing conditions by grumbling or complaining that the kingdom of God is stymied. And we don't want that. Complaining is the word dialogue. Interesting. The, the commentators will tell you that what it is, it's a, it's a dialogue with you as the mediator between the two halves. It's interesting. So di- dialogismo is the sense that you, as the um, self-based judge, determine right or wrong, and you have a dialogue, and so you, you, you find the shortcomings in your dialogue. Grumbling is just exp- expressing general displeasure with any circumstance, no reference to God in it. Now, does this mean we can't be honest that we can declare some things in life are hard. Well, let me just give you a couple things. I was just trying to figure out because we can. this can sort of seem like, so am I not allowed to say to the people at the desk clerk to say, you know, you might want to put the right sheets on the bed. That would be grumbling because that's sort of sarcastic and passive aggressive. But to say, you know, I, I don't think those are the right sheets. I think we might want to, you know. It's fine to express, right, with a conclusion and an answer and a way forward. Grumbling never presents a way forward. It only mires and stews in the problem that is. Uh, These are just my observations. You can make lots more on them. But the... uh, in Exodus, the next chapter of Exodus after the 16th chapter where God says they're grumbling against me. In Exodus 17, they begin to grumble again about the um, diet and the menu being the same. And it says, that it, here's the next step in grumbling. It says it would be so nice to be back in Egypt. That's Exodus 17.3. Grumbling leads you to return to sin. Grumbling leads you to return to sin. They grumbled and they said, I remember the good times in Egypt. They didn't remember they were slaves. Why is it that sometimes when we're going through things that are hard, we forget what it was like to be enslaved? Don't forget what it was like to be enslaved in sin. Y'all, it was miserable. 
to, to live without hope and without God. And it is a lie of the devil to think that it was good to be back there again. Deuteronomy 8, 15 and 16, as Moses is recounting for the people of Israel the wilderness wanderings, the time of grumbling and complaining, just before they're about to enter the promised land. I'm going to, a slight paraphrase, but only slight. Deuteronomy 8, 15 and 16. The purpose of the wilderness was not to frustrate God's people, but to shape them and to test them. It says, quote, God led you through the great and terrifying wilderness, and then he lists all the serpents and the scorpions and everything they went through, and he says the purpose was to do you good in the end. Because when you're humble and dependent on God, you actually will live the way you're wired to live. One of the things I've noticed about my own grumbling and my own complaining is when my comments can make no positive change to the situation. Can I want you to ask yourself the next time you're about to comment on anything. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Is this comment going, is it simply expressing my frustration or can I, am I making any move towards something that's positive where we can change the situation? And then the last thing I would say is there's a place to vent. Sometimes, I mean, you just, I'm so frustrated. Pay someone. You will vent like really economically if you're paying someone to vent to them. They're called counselors. They're really good. Or trusted friends, mentors. Sit down with somebody that you can vent that's not invested in it like in the same way. I think it's okay. Or best, vent to the Lord. He can take it. He's, I hear he's really big and strong. And he can take your venting. I think he's appreciative that he's included in the process. But listen, make it a dialogue between you and God, not a dialogue between you and you. After you've vented, just stop and listen. What are the results of this that we don't grumble and complain? I've talked about some of the do's, but let me just close with the don'ts. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. The same the translation of the word disputing, same uh, dialogue, yismo. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Listen, among whom you will shine out as lights in the world. Newsflash, the world has a lot of grumbling and complaining, right? Entire industries, entire markets. I understand on social media there's occasionally grumbling going on about something. Let's shine out as lights in a, in a wicked generation that we're not part of the noise. It's, it's going to be hard. Uh, the next uh, eight months, nine months, ten months, there's going to be a lot of noise out there, guys. Hang on. I guarantee you in November of 2024, Jesus Christ will be the Lord. I guarantee nothing else. 
Hang on. Second thing, he says, you, you look to being, again, we're different. We're Christians. We should be different. And this is a way in their context, and this isn't the only context in which we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but it is it is one for them, and it certainly, as you can tell, it's one for me. Um, second thing, in addition to contrasting ourselves with the world, he says in verse 16, hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. This would have been a euphemism or metaphor for the drink offering being poured out would have been a, a, an offering given. It's described both in uh, numbers, but also in Greek culture, a drink offering would have been a sense of your whole life being poured out, even to death. So Paul is probably referring to the possibility of his dying. And he says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial altar of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. So the second reason is not simply in this life that we're contrasted with people who are not don't know God, but also that one day you will stand before the Lord and you will not be able to offer any grumbling to the Lord. It's an unacceptable offering. But what you will be able to offer is when you said, Lord, although I don't like the situation, you don't have to pretend to like it. I praise you anyway. I'm, I, I don't like it. Don't like what I'm going through physically or financially or relationally. I don't like it, but I praise you, Lord, because you're working even when I don't see it. That faith becomes an acceptable offering. I want for me that if this was my last breath and I collapsed on the stage, that'd be a Sunday to talk about. And I stand before the Lord on that instant. I'm presenting to Him an acceptable offering. I've poured my life out. I want you to pour your lives out. Because this life is brief and God is good. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, I thank you that though there's a, there's a battle, Lord, raging in our world and in ourselves, Lord, we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is your spirit in us that is working to will and to work for your good pleasure. And so, Lord, as we participate in this, whether it's grumbling and complaining or anything else, Lord, give us courage to live with the light of eternity in our minds so that we know that what we're doing matters not just today or next week, but forever. And Lord, this battle belongs to You, but we are participants because we bring our praise and our encouragement and we use our tongues to create the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of darkness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me and let's close in worship.